and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Labors in the Harvest podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today for this uh, next episode of Labors in the Harvest. Of course, it's early in 2021, and it's our prayer that the Lord is blessing your life. I am recording this uh, particular episode uh, on site in Mary, North Carolina, at the uh, ministry and uh, church uh, called New Mana Baptist Church. My conversation is a two part conversation with Pastor Tony Shirley, the pastor of New Mana. And uh, I'm here this week, uh, as I'm recording, I'm here this week to uh, be a part of their missions conference of New Mana Baptist Church, of course, representing the Ministry of Spiritual Leadership Asia. And so while I was here, I thought I'd take a few moments to sit down with Pastor Shirley and learn a little bit about his life and his journey in ministry. I, I think you'll find our conversation and his story something that would be a, a real help and blessing to many who listen. And of course, the whole purpose of uh, labors in the harvest is to be an encouragement. We want folks to know that God has a plan for your life and that he can use you. He just picks people uh, as his plan is, and as they're willing to follow, God takes us on a journey. And again, I want to encourage you if, uh, to uh, share this uh, podcast with others as you, if you find it encouraging and helpful. And uh, I sure think that you'll find uh, the next uh, two weeks as we have this conversation with Pastor Shirley something That'll be a blessing to you. So now let's join our conversation with Pastor Tony Shirley of the New Man of Baptist Church in Marion, North Carolina. Well, this is Kevin Folger, and this is Labors in the Harvest podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. Maybe some of you, it's the very first time. Some of you folks are perhaps regular subscribers and listeners. And today it's my great joy to uh, welcome to the podcast uh, Pastor Tony Shirley, pastor of the New Man of Baptist Church in Marion, North Carolina. Brother Shirley, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about being a part of it. Well, it's a, it's a joy for me, for sure, to have you with us. So, uh, as we just mentioned, as we were talking a few moments ago before we started recording, that uh, this is kind of a just conversation about life and ministry. So, talk to me a little bit about, about your life. Where did you grow up and, you know, uh, how did you get saved early on in life? Right. Well, I grew up in Kentucky, Green County. In Kentucky, everything's by county. Mm-hmm. It's the south central part and uh, not really near the coal mine part, not really near the Lexington horse farms, more of the rolling hills mm-hmm. farmland. Grew up there, and uh, when I was about five, we hadn't been in church. I had two older brothers at the time. We hadn't really been in church. Um, my mom and dad had been saved earlier in life, but had both kind of gotten out of church. But when I was about five years old, there was a little church in our town. I mean, when I say little church, four walls, no bathroom, no Sunday school room, tiny <laughs> little church and it had just about closed and there was a few few old folks that had just uh, not wanted their church to close and reached out to a couple of preachers and one lived in Tennessee and one lived in another part of Kentucky and they began to alternate weekends just to try to help this church 
and God breathed on it, and uh, they just had, I mean, they had a, a for real revival in that little thing, and it went from those four to probably 70 or 80 just in a matter of months, and uh, they built a little front on the church to put some bathrooms in it, and later dug underneath the existing building, put Sunday school rooms, and so God really did a work. It was unbelievable. The little town that it was in, it's called Allendale Baptist Church, literally had a little sign that says Allendale, a gas station, maybe two houses, that church, and then the sign on the other side. Just a tiny, tiny town. Yeah. But God breathed on it, and in the middle of that, my uh, great uncle, my mom's uncle, came, and he was in on it. He had started going. God had worked in his heart. And he came to my mom and said, Diana, you need to, you need to get them boys in church. He had a, three of us boys. He said, y'all need to come to church and get, and get them boys in church. And my mom and dad said yes. Now, you know, they didn't have any idea what all was going to go down, but... Uh, they just started going. So when I was five until about seven and a half uh, is when that church was going through that. I don't remember a lot of it. But at about seven then, I went to a Bible school in a neighboring church. Now, we joke about it, but uh, there in Kentucky, um, your parents would take you to every church that's having Bible school because it's like two hours of free babysitting. You know? <laughs> They're going to take you and drop you off, come back and get you later. So mom had dropped us off at a church down the road. And at the end of the, um, the night, it might have been the commencement night, I just remember... I wasn't half paying attention until all of a sudden they started rejoicing. People started clapping and kind of rejoicing. And so I would look, and boys were going up, and kids were going up, and they'd talk to that preacher, and then they'd kneel down, and then they'd stand up, and he would say, did you get saved? They would say yes, and everybody would be happy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I want to do that, you know. So I went forward, and uh, he said, what do you want? I said, well, I want to get saved. And I wasn't under conviction or anything. i just be honest with you. I didn't even know what was going on. I just thought, I want to do that thing that makes everybody so happy. So... He didn't give me any instruction. He didn't tell me I needed to pray. He didn't tell me I needed to repent. I guess he assumed I knew. Mm-hmm. And so we knelt down. He knelt. I knelt. He started praying. I just listened because from my seat, you know, that's all I had seen. Mm-hmm. So he prayed. And when he got done, um, we stood up. And he said, did you get saved? Well, everybody else had said yes. I assumed I'd got saved. I said yes. And everybody cheered and celebrated. And I thought, well, that was good. Mm-hmm. So when mom picked us up, I told her I'd got saved. And she was very glad. But about a month or so later, I don't remember exactly the time frame, about a month or so later, we were back at our little church. We had our midweek service on Thursday. The pastor that lived in Tennessee was the one that became the pastor. And so sometimes he worked secular work as well. He couldn't always make it on Mm -hmm. Thursday. Um, And so men in the church would handle the midweek prayer service. And that night, we just had this old old fellow preaching that Thursday night. He had... uh, when he got called to preach, couldn't hardly read mm-hmm. and even told the Lord, how can I be a preacher? I can't hardly read. He just worked on the farm his whole life. And his wife had taught him to read enough he could read. And that night he preached. And he said in that service, he said something along these lines, if you've never prayed yourself and asked the Lord to save you, then if you died, you'd go to hell. And boy, the Holy Spirit grabbed those words. Mm-hmm. I've often thought, Brother Kevin, how wonderful it is that God knew the exact words I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, if he would have said, if you've never been saved... My seven-year-old mind would have said, oh, I got saved at that Bible school. If he would have said, if you've never been to an altar, you know, my mind would have Mm -hmm. said, oh, I went. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit knew I didn't pray. And so I'm thankful that the Lord used that man to make that statement. Conviction gripped me. I went to my mom that night and said, I I know you think I got saved, but, Mom, I didn't pray. I need to get saved tonight. So I got saved at 7 in that little church there in Allendale. What a a tremendous testimony. I got saved at the age of 5. Okay. And, of course, got saved in the church I grew up in and... and, uh, but uh, it's amazing. God works in our hearts, and yes. He's so gracious to us. That's so for sure. faithful. Yeah. Yep. So um, currently, uh, you're serving as the pastor of New Mana Baptist Church here in Marion, North Carolina. Yes, sir. And um, so before we try to 
quite get there. Let's just talk a little bit about your family. You're married. Yeah. You got some kids. So. I do. Yeah. Married. Uh, been married 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Married. My wife's name is Becca, and uh, God gave us uh, a daughter. She's now. Her name's Carson. We spell it with a K. And uh, she's 19. And then he gave us a son, Cooper, and she spelled it with a K as well. And for the longest time, uh, that's all we had. My wife had some physical problems and, and is not able to have children anymore. And then um, we had a nephew that um, we just kind of started babysitting. It's my wife's sister's boy. And um, just to be honest, her life was a little bit of a wreck. She didn't walk with the Lord. And so we would babysit him a little more and a little more, and pretty soon it would be a week and two weeks. And before long, we've pretty much raised him since he was two. He's now 11. Mm -hmm. So he's our third son, we Mm -hmm. say, or our third child, my second son. And then a couple of years ago, through some other pretty pretty rough circumstances in my wife's family, um, one of her other sisters had gotten some trouble. And DSS, Department of Social Services, got involved in their life, and she had two teens, a teenage Girl, well, a 12-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy, and uh, they came to us in our town mm-hmm. and said, we're going to have to take custody of those kids, and in the family, yours is the only family we would put them in. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to take them? Pretty big deal, you know, for sure. us. We'd sheltered ours, tried to raise them right, and bringing these kids in who've been, they've been in and out of church here most of their life with grandma at least, mm-hmm. but living in a pretty rough place, obviously. But the Lord knows our heart very quickly, and we took them, and now we fully adopted them. So we mm-hmm. went from we thought we were only going to have two, to now we got five. <laughs> and so as of right now, we got four teenagers yeah. and an eleven-year-old that is wide open. So yeah. it's it's full time for us right now. You know, life can change fairly quickly yeah. at times. That's for I, sure. I jokingly yeah. told people, God said I was going to have a children's home whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> just, he just He just put it on us. So yeah. the Lord's good. Uh, the teenage boy, he'd been as I said, he'd been to church through the years and been to our camps. And and stuff, but uh, he got saved shortly after getting with us. We mm-hmm. we sent our kids on a trip with our youth choir, mm-hmm. and uh, and they went down. To be honest with you, they went down to um, sing at at the Burlington Revival. That mm-hmm. revival, some of you have heard about many years ago. And uh, that night, the preacher preached on my son's name is Noah. Mm-hmm. The preacher preached that night about the rapture, but his title was As It Was in the Days of mm-hmm. Noah. Uh-huh. And so all night, he just I said to him later, I said, son, did you feel like he was shooting at you all night? He said, all night, daddy. Mm-hmm. And so that night, he got under conviction that he didn't know if he was saved or not, and he got mm-hmm. saved. So it's been wonderful to see the Lord work mm-hmm. in their life. We just all sang together about two weeks ago on Wednesday night. And, you know, when I see them up there, knowing what life they were in three years ago, and now they're up there singing for the Lord. So it's wonderful. Well, one of the things I think if somebody comes to New Manna, they very quickly realize that this church loves to sing. We do. And they love preaching. So uh, can you just kind of talk us through how that kind of developed here? Because I I think that kind of really started when you were in Kentucky or... Yeah, my my two older brothers are both preachers. And my dad's family... The Shirley name when we were young was not a good name in our county. My dad has 12, I think, brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and all of them, um, pretty much all of them in those days were in drugs and alcohol, And but they were all gifted musically. Mm-hmm. They all played by ear, but they were rock and rollers. Oh, okay. But they, I mean, our family get-togethers were like, honestly, I'm not exaggerating, like a ZZ Top concert. They mm-hmm. put a big, they'd bring an old wagon out, they'd put their everything on it, and they could do it. They could mm-hmm. play, they could sing. Mm-hmm. And so natural gifts from the Lord, obviously, that they were misusing. Mm-hmm. Our family started going to church, as I said, when I was about five. So 
Uh, if they had them on Sunday, my mom, she was pretty tough. She was like, we won't be there with churches over. Mm-hmm. So they'd be up there doing all their singing. And then in the middle of it, my grandpa would say, my dad's name is Elbert. He would say, Elbert, get your kids up here and let them sing. So mm-hmm. right in the middle of all that, we'd get up and start singing gospel songs, you know. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is they would stay on the platform and just play for us. They mm-hmm. were they just change gears and play for us, you know. So I grew up with the music party. It is in us a little bit, all, both my brothers. And I have a sister that was born. I was the baby boy for 13 years, and then I always tell everybody, a princess was born and ruined my life. So <laughs> 13 years old, then our sister was born, and all three of us play instruments. Now, we only play by ear. We don't read notes, but we can all play different instruments, and my sister sang, has been singing. When we recorded a, a tape when she was young, that little choir I mentioned, or the little church I went to, we had a little choir. She was singing tenor when she was probably five, mm. and again, all by ear, you know, just, mm-hmm. so the Lord has blessed us. We just, music, we love music. It's in us, and then my oldest brother, he got called to preach when he was in his early, early 20s, and now he's pastored there, and, and, and we live in the part of the country, Brother Kevin, where literally the preachers only stay two years, two and a half years. I think I counted one time, our church had 13 pastors. Wow. But my brother has been the exception. He pastored the same church for 20 years or so, mm-hmm. and then and then now he's got in another one, and he's been in it, you know, I don't know how many more years now. Uh, so, yes, preaching, we saw it in him, really, and we, we had great preaching. The little church had a lot of problems, but it did like preaching. And so, yes, preaching and singing started there, but when I came to New Manna, uh, the youth choir in particular was already rolling, okay. you know, and I had led a little youth choir, which is kind of how I connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pastor had preached for our little church in Kentucky, and when he heard us, we only had about 12 in our choir, but in that little building we could ring it out, mm-hmm. you know, and he loved it. Mm-hmm. So he brought us here to this big building and had us sing, and so I was already doing leading, you know, leading some choirs and singing, and when I came here, they were up and running, traveling all over singing, so I just fell right in with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we always, we jokingly say that our method is R-B-A-S, rare, back, and sing. That's the way we say it. <laughs> and uh, we do push them to just sing out, don't yeah. be ashamed, you know, lift your voice. And so it's been a major part of this ministry before I got here, but certainly then uh, after I've got here, we, we, we try to keep them singing, particularly... Yeah. You know, Brother Kevin, I worked as the youth pastor, and I was a principal of our Christian school for years. And one of the things I've seen through the years, if you can get young boys, teenage boys in particular, if you can get them to be willing to sing out Mm -hmm. unashamedly, it's a major victory, and it'll do something for them. You know, it kind of, you know, the coolness. Yeah. That's that's a struggle. It yeah. seemed like always been more of a struggle for the boys than the girls. Right, right. And we've worked at it. We've told them, like, look, if you're if you can play ball and do all these things, and we have all the sports and stuff, you ought to be able to stand up and sing for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So we have tried to foster it, and and I do. We do like it. Our church likes to rear back and sing. Well, last night, of course, uh, here for the missions conference, and last night the youth choir sang, and they, they yeah. were a tremendous blessing. And praise the, the Lord, just to hear the young people, and many of them are very, very gifted in the, yes. the realm of music, and it's it's a blessing for sure. Yes, and I, sir. I'm, I'm musical. I, I, I can't sing. I can't right. play anything, but I like good music. You like and, to hear it. I, I do. You. I do. It's yeah. a, it touches me, man, and it's a blessing. So um, let's let's kind of walk back a little bit because, you know, you talked about getting saved. Yeah. But then there's a period of time between then and, and now. Yeah. So let's walk through that process of what yeah. God did in your life. So what happened after your salvation and what, what's, what were the steps? <clears throat> it's pretty amazing. And, you know, what you said right before we started the podcast about... You know, you like to share the stories because they're different. And yeah. sometimes people will look at us where we are yeah. now yeah. and they'll think, well, he probably was trained for that yeah. his right. whole life mm-hmm. and I could never. Well, I'm the poster child for how in the world did this ever happen. Yeah. I, yeah. And I say that sincerely. It's I find myself regularly 
in places where I think, Lord, how did you get me here? How did this happen? So I get saved in that little church, and things go really well for about two and a half years, like I said. And, uh, and then there was some church trouble, and, and I was seven, so I don't really know what all of it was. But it got bad enough that the pastor felt like he should just step aside. And, and his statement was, you know, rather than hurt the church, I'll just step aside and leave. And my dad loved that pastor and was very close. Now, all of this is me figuring this out, you know, as an adult looking right. back. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening was my dad got wounded in that mm. church fight or whatever word you want to use there, that mess that happened. And when he got wounded, he left. And uh, to be honest with you, he ended up not really coming back to church for 25 years. Wow. Not at, he would attend occasionally different sure. services with us. But, but what was worse than that was the Bible says, and, and again, this is me as an adult preacher looking back, studying I believe what happened was bitterness really set in his heart. And the Bible says that it's a root of bitterness right. whereby many be defiled. Mm-hmm. So some may not agree with what I'm about to say, but he had uh, three sons that all ended up being preachers. And so through those years, we all would work on him and witness to him and talk to him and ask him, was he saved? And he always had a testimony, of a good testimony of salvation. But what happened was, I think as a result of running from the conviction through those years, he began to drink even. Mm. And so for 25 years, Dad, he wasn't the kind of drunk where he was drunk 24-7, but he was the kind where he might would get drunk and stay drunk for a month. And so mm. it just wrecked our wow. home, you yeah, know. Sure. And, you know, the irony is, Brother Kevin, I look back again as well, and, and many times he would be sober for three weeks or a month, and then if we were having revival or something, mm where we were going to say, Dad, would you come? And the conviction might be on him mm-hmm. to come. He would, he would get drunk and stay yeah. drunk until it was way over. Wow. And so through those years, I sat down with him and said, Dad, I just need to know, if you, are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? And he said he wasn't. And I do believe that the bitterness defiled him to the point that mm-hmm. he would hide from the conviction. So those years then at the church, we probably had, as I said, 12 or 13 different pastors. Every two or three years, somebody would have a little something they didn't like, and he would say, well, rather than hurt the church, it kind of created a pattern. It was pitiful. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thankful for that church. I'm thankful that I got saved there. I'm thankful I learned to worship there. We would sing and worship and shout, and, uh, and we had the King James Bible. I'm thankful for that. got ingrained in me, even though I probably couldn't have defended why like I should have, but still nonetheless. But really, it shrunk back down to about 30, and it never really got beyond that all those years I was there. Mm. But we stayed in. Mama never, even though Daddy got out, Mama never got out, mm. and she kept us in. It wasn't a question. It wasn't ever any of that. You know, I'm going to stay home with daddy business. Uh, my mama didn't know about social services, and she didn't know you couldn't spank them and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And so, you know, mom was tough, but I thank the Lord for her faith. When we go back home now, and they're still together, and now dad's been in church, he got right with God about probably 12 or 13 years ago, maybe 15, I don't know. He got right with the Lord. And so now when we all go back, my kids, they only know, they call him Peepaw, they only know the Peepaw in church. Yeah. They don't know the one I live with, yeah, you know, my sure. brothers live with. So, when we go back, we think, you know, we just look at mom and she's really, she wouldn't like this, but in many ways a hero. Mm-hmm. Her faithfulness, right. her, her staying with dad, her and staying with God and keeping us all there are the reason that now when we go back, we all have Christmas together. And daddy read the Christmas story this year with tears in his eyes, mm-hmm. you know. So her faithfulness kept us in. So I was in church, but again, it wouldn't be like the churches that we're a part of now. There wasn't really a lot of we didn't do any real outreach, no bus ministries, anything like that. But thankfully, we were in church. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, become a teenager, and going to public school. We didn't, we didn't, I didn't know, brother. I really didn't know there existed Christian schools mm-hmm. like this. Public school, and I get ready to graduate high school, played basketball and things, you know, and did all that stuff, but still was in church, and then also started playing the piano for this little choir in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, God just put his hand on that little youth choir for some, he just chose to. Mm-hmm. 
And we started traveling and singing locally there in all mm -hmm. kind of churches. And, and as I said, the pastor of New Manna then heard us, and we ended up coming here. That's kind of how I met this place. Mm -hmm. God used the singing. You were talking about singing, mm -hmm. the singing and the playing. My two older brothers had surrendered to preach, but I never did feel like it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those that ran from it. I really never felt like the Lord wanted mm -hmm. me to preach. People would say, are you going to be a preacher too? And I'd say, they're the preachers, I'm the teacher. Mm -hmm. I was going to school to be a math teacher. Went to Western Kentucky University, a secular college there. And uh, all through those years, just fully intending to still go to church, be a good Christian guy, and, um, you know, but teach school and coach ball is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Between my junior and senior years, when uh, the pastor had come to our church and preached that revival, and we had a tremendous revival. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a God-moving revival meeting. I'd never really heard preaching like give your whole life to God. Right. All right. I'd, I'd heard preaching my whole life, but a lot of, lot of it, you know, just... Just never really liked that. A lot of those preachers, to be honest with you, had to work jobs because, you know, they might leave in a year sure. and there was little congregation. So almost every preacher I ever saw worked both work, secular work, you know, bivocational. And so I never really heard a preacher just really hit that on the head of give your whole life to God. Mm -hmm. And that week he was doing it, man. He was preaching it. And I was already playing the piano, leading the choir and, you know, teaching some Sunday school and stuff. But by the end of that week, I just said, Lord, whatever that is that he's talking about, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means, I want to give you my whole life. Well, I'd never, uh, we didn't teach and preach about dating and everything in those days like we do now either. I had a girl that I had dated for six years, all the way from my sophomore year of high school to that was my junior year of college. Same girl. We were going to get married the next year. She went to church. I met her. At, my brother pastored her church at one point. Christian girl, but but not like this level. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things the Lord said was, well, what about that? Will mm -hmm. you, are you willing to end that? Yeah. And so I did that very next weekend, very hard and particularly hard with her and so on yeah. and so forth. But so I cha he changed that. And then the pastor said something to me one time about Christian school. And I know we can't talk forever, but I just want to tell you this one part, how God was working in my life before I ever knew about it. So when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a school teacher and we didn't have any money, Dad being a drunk and all that. So the, the guidance counselors having you fill out scholarship applications. There was one called the Kentucky Higher Education Teacher Scholarship that a couple of my friends had gotten. And basically it was that for every year that you teach, you mark off a year of that college. Okay. So if you'll teach yeah. four years, you don't have to pay anything yeah. back. And they were trying to lure good students into teaching right. instead of being a lawyer or right, a doctor right, or whatever. Right, right. Well, I filled out for that and didn't get it. Mm. Got a letter saying we're out of money or whatever. Well, mm. she had had me fill out several. I got another one in the mail, and it said it was called the Paul Douglas Teacher Scholarship. Now, it was almost exactly the same setup, except it required two years for every year. Okay. So you'd had to teach eight years to be completely out of the debt. Now, the deal is on both of those, if you break your agreement, you pay them back plus 70% interest. <laughs> but, I, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going to teach oh, yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to yeah. work on the farm. That's about all there was. Oh, yeah. And there were no real plants. And I thought, man, these teachers, they're off every weekend. They get yeah. two off two months in the summer. I want to do that. Yeah. So I filled that out. So my freshman, sophomore, junior year of college, I'd been getting that scholarship. So between my junior and senior years, when the pastor here met me and he started talking about maybe starting a Christian school, mm -hmm. he said to me, what do you think about it if I told you I'm thinking about starting a Christian school? He said he had been asking youth leaders that at different churches. And I said, well, I think I would tell you I'll graduate in May and I can teach math, history, computer science. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that. He said, man, something might have just clicked, and he snapped his fingers. 
And I often tell teenagers, it's like my whole life changed directions when he snapped those fingers. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we start talking. He asked another man in Kentucky that he was friends with that actually ran a Christian school in Louisville. He said to him the same thing. And that man said, I would say, do you want me to come run it? Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden there's three of us mm-hmm. that were talking. And, and that became the birth, you know, if you will, of New Manor Christian School. But then I remembered that scholarship. Mm-hmm. Because my friend's scholarship that was the Kentucky one, the stipulation was you had to teach in the state of Kentucky in a public school. Mm-hmm. So I start thinking, how am I going to pay all that back on half the money? Yeah, you know, right. And uh, so I start dealing with it. You know, you're telling the Lord, well, what are we going to do? Well, when I got my paperwork for that senior year, I'd never really read the fine print. You know, a college boy, he's just going to sign it and yeah, get his right. money. I start reading. Now, remember, I didn't get the Kentucky one. I got this other one. Mm-hmm. Turns out mine said this. It was federal. And here was the statement. Teach in any state, public or private school. Wow. So three years before, when I wasn't even seeking the will of God, he already worked it out that I could move to North Carolina. So when I graduated, I moved to North Carolina and already had that took care of. All right, we're going to cut our conversation on this segment today, and then we'll pick up our conversation next week. Well, we want to thank you for joining us with Labors in the Harvest podcast today. And uh, as you've been listening to our conversation with Pastor Tony Shirley, pastor of the New Mana Baptist Church in Marion, North Carolina. I've been here uh, in Marion this week at New Mana for a missions conference, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to sit down with Pastor Shirley. I've known of this man and followed him from afar, and so it's been a joy to uh, get better acquainted with him this week as I've been a part of the missions conference here at his church. I want to encourage you to uh, obviously let other folks know about this conversation. Uh, They can pick up the podcast and all the major podcast venues. And uh, again, I hope that you'll join us next week when we pick up the second part of our conversation with Pastor Tony Shirley. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Mm -hmm.